Hi, everyone. Welcome to Notes from the Ivy League, where I ask first-generation and low-income college students and graduates who have attended some of the most selective colleges in the country to share their stories and advice with college applicants. I'm your host, Andrew Williams, a.k.a. That Ivy League Guy. And my guest today, we have a very funny situation of how we first met, and we'll talk more about that later. (laughs) He's from New Orleans, graduated from Yale with a degree in chemical engineering, and he's also an avid dancer. Ben, welcome to the third episode of Notes from the Ivy League. I'm so glad you could join me today. Thank you, Andrew. Thank you for having me on. No, no problem. I introduced you a little bit, but do you remember how we first met? I, I do. I was actually recounting the story to my to my girlfriend earlier today, who we also both hold in, uh, hold in common because she went to school with us. But yeah, we, we were juniors in high school, or I guess rising seniors. And during that intervening summer, we both went to Yale for the Questbridge conference that was ho- being hosted on campus. And uh, we had, yeah, a great, a great friend, I guess, we ended up making during that time in Chan, uh, who arrived to campus and I guess is indicative of the struggle of the demographic that, you know, of of which we are a part. But he he arrived to campus without having a hotel room, right? He was planning on sleeping underneath the bridge somewhere nearby. Yeah. And (laughs) and you were gracious enough to let him sleep in your room, even though we had only met him a few hours prior. But it was quirky, but a great experience overall. This is like such a quirky first introduction. Yeah, and I remembered being surprised when I saw you on campus freshman year because you had like done a special program at Dartmouth, and I mm-hmm. and I thought you were pretty set on going there. But I'm glad that we were able to continue our relationship. Yeah, you know, years later, ended up at, at Yale. So I guess the conference worked. Do you mind sharing your personal story with the listeners? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I, I grew up of fairly low means back in New Orleans. I, I'm the oldest of four, and my family, I still have, or, or both of my parents, they're together. And I guess as a result, like we were hood rich for the area that I'm from. So we were, you know, we were, we were well off for the area, but not well off, I guess, more macroscopically in terms of the, in terms of the country. And and I had, I was very blessed along the way to have a variety of drivers or people that pushed me along to, to, to like this and kept me on the steady and narrow path that I've been on all my life and allowed me to get as far as I have. And, and so like so for some examples of that was that in sixth grade, I had a teacher who told me, Ben, you need to apply to this magnet school that's across the river, the Mississippi River. And for me, I had some apprehension because the the new greater New Orleans area is divided into two banks, the West Bank and the East Bank, as parted by the Mississippi River. And the West Bank, which is where I'm from, is lower income, more ethnic, more diverse and such, and whereas the East Bank is more affluent. Uh, more uh, homogenous and there just aren't many kids from my side of town basically especially that go to school over there but that was the only that was the only magnet school um, that existed at the time and so I applied and got in thankfully through that teacher pushing me and I found out later on that the other kids that were in my classes actually didn't have to test to get in or anything like that and I found out that that was like a very obvious form of like housing discrimination or or such later on they were kind of like grandfathered in and assumed they Mm -hmm. would do well by virtue of where they lived and stuff like that 
and yeah but even and then when I went to that school I was really lucky to have teachers that kept supporting me I had a math teacher in particular Mr. Hernandez who when when my sister when my yeah my younger sister ended up going to high school she needed a graphing calculator and my family we couldn't afford to buy another one and so I gave her mine and the next math test I had done it all you know no calculator and just did like all of the arithmetic and this was in trigonometry and I had to make some decisive approximations about like the sine of 57 degrees or something like that my teacher was like you did you still did well on the test but why why did you do all this math out by hand and I was like oh I don't have a calculator anymore and he was like oh and he he listened to my story and so he gave me one of his Mm-hmm. Later on in senior year, when I ran out of math courses to take at my at my high school, he paid for me to take an online multivariable calculus class and things like that. And so I just had teachers that, you know, I guess when I when I could have gone as far as I thought I did, they let me they gave me the intellectual capital to to keep me going and saying, oh, no, there, there's actually much more that, that, that you can do. And yeah, my parents were always supportive as well like there was a time where my dad got injured on the job he works in shipyards kind of like as a as a repairman an electronic technician and blew out his knee and those types of things and I think a lot of people in my situation where you know the the primary income earner um, gets hurt and is out of commission for a while especially when you're living from paycheck to paycheck something along those lines that it might be expected that you drop out of high school and in order to help support the family, those types of things. But though things were tough, my family uh, helped me stay the course, you know, just allowed me to continue flourishing educationally and such. Having family, having teachers and a community, like a village of people that rally around you, I think mm-hmm. is so important. It just in general, but especially if you're a student that's trying to make such a, I would say like a massive leap from, for me, like, small town right to try right. to go to the ivy league and be the first person in my in my school and to get to a school like that and first person in my family like without teachers and my family i don't think i would have done it and like this is the third podcast and like there are some points that are so consistent mm-hmm. amongst mm-hmm. people who are i would say pretty different is that teachers and and parents are like the two main drivers and like why they wanted to attend college and then even had the like the audacity to dream and hope right. to get into some of the best schools in the country when the school's demographic says, statistically speaking, they might not get in. Yeah, no, you're absolutely correct, man. I had so many other homies where we, you know, coming out of elementary school, middle school, those types of things where we were all like, could like, you know, superficially, but like had been interchanged, you know, like we were, mm-hmm. we were doing well and it was ex- these types and you know you're doing well in school or you're engaged those types of things and because it's tough man to get this far without any hiccups or any Mm -hmm. types of like I have you know people part of that crew they're 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 locked up or stuff happens in their family and they had to you know you have to drop out or you tried to make everything work and you end up burning out and you you know, you just have a lot, a lot on your shoulders and juggling all of those burdens can't, it, it isn't always so simple. And, it, and, it, and it, it makes me think on how fortunate I am to, like, as you said, have access to that community, because I'm absolutely sure that if any of my, any part of 
you know, that crew that I had, if they, you know, if I was able to have them alongside me, such that we, you know, shared like almost like identical experiences throughout Mm -hmm. that journey, like they would have been right there with me, you know, but unfortunately the hills and the valleys of life can, you know, can, can, can pull you away from that. And that's, Mm -hmm. um, and that's why having, having that community, having access to that, like continuously helps you stay on it. I think that's a component of being a low income or in some cases first generation college applicant where you're surrounded by people who are fantastic and wonderful people, but life just brings them in a completely different direction. Mm-hmm. That's just not acknowledged quite a bit. Um, right. Can you kind of go more into that and maybe talk about how you, how you dealt with that through the, through high school and also through college? Yeah. In terms of how I was able to stay on this path and, you know, almost have to leave parts of yourself behind or Mm -hmm. there's a lot of change that happens as as you go on this journey. And and I think it's a non-trivial thing to have to navigate the the different cultures i mean i know you you know you're from arkansas but man the the chill vibes and just like southern aesthetic Mm -hmm. that you have down there especially yeah in in new orleans and stuff and changing to the northeast man it's brutal it's just like not not it's not just the weather that changes but everyone is constantly you know snap snap get to the next thing get to the next thing and i'm just like bro let's let's sit down let's take yeah. a break you know that's <laughs> those kinds of things but and that does change you because man when i get back home in new orleans and everyone sits down to eat a meal and i'm done twice as quick as they are and they're like why did you eat so fast and i'm <laughs> like i didn't even realize i was eating that fast you know but it pushed you because you know you you eat quickly and have the quick conversations with your sweet mates and friends and those types of things but then you're on to the next thing man and i it's something that i still try to navigate every Mm -hmm. day i call my family back home more so now than i did when i was on campus but i call them almost every day and chat with them and i'm trying to keep in touch but i can see just how different things are happening uh, or like the diff- just how different my perspective has become where you know I'm trying to tell for example I have a, I have a sister who's nine years old and she, she's the youngest one of us I'm 24 now oh man uh, <laughs> and and uh, with her you know I'm, tr- I'm almost like a third parent and I'm mm-hmm. trying to tell my parents I'm like okay well you know I, I was able to make it as far as I have and I actually, you know, I actually know what we need to do to, to get her going. And, you know, if we wanted when she's in eighth grade or she like she could be seventh grade, she could be applying to like Andover and Exeter, you know, like we could mm-hmm. have her in these really good schools. And, you know, and it's like, you know, getting her involved in extracurriculars and, you know, maybe have her start doing coding now or mm-hmm. what or what have you. But I'm almost so far removed that I forget that, you know, when my parents get home from work and they've been grinding so much, I'm like, hey, did, did you get her to do this or that? And they're like, no, when I got home, I was so I was like blackout exhausted. I, I couldn't mm-hmm. remember to do that. And it really speaks to the obstacles that that our demographic faces where, you know, I have the knowledge. Right. I, I'm telling them exactly what needs to be done in mm-hmm. order to guarantee success in this domain and 
but they, but like the bandwidth isn't there for them to execute like they have all the intentions they obviously want what's best for their for their children right but they're so 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 tired yeah and that's something that i'm still trying to remember and you know keep in because my life objectively <laughs> for like from where i am right now is actually like fairly comfortable you know mm-hmm. i i I make more than my parents do put together and having gone to Yale does actually give me access to a lot of cultural and financial capital that, you know, my family couldn't even dream of. When they came to campus the first time during senior year, I had saved up enough to fly my family up for uh, for a family weekend. Mm-hmm. And they were walking around and they see all the dormitories and buildings and they look like, you know, neo-gothic castles and all these different things and they're like man it's like we're in europe it's like we're it's like we're vacationing right in the Mm -hmm. you know heart of this urban town in connecticut you know yeah and it's yeah it's amazing how different things can be the simplest stuff man there are times where i would call back and they're like oh the hot water is off and you know and i almost you know want to shed like one thug tear but it's like (laughs) yeah but it's like damn i you know i forget that you know, you have your difficulties on campus and stuff and adjusting, but, you know, you have hot water, you have food every day, those types of things. Yeah, and you touched upon how when you go away to some of the top schools and you go back home and you're like, my family's living in a situation where the water's not on or the electricity's not on, and you have to reconcile that with also, like, the feeling of, like, I live in a mansion right now. Like, you live right. in a mansion Mm-hmm. And there's like that, I guess, like the cultural dissonance that, that, that happens because on campus, you'll complain about how, how the most the, basic stuff. Yeah, like how like the shuttle is like two minutes late. Like right. at least or, we have a free shuttle. Or how, sick, or, yeah, or how sick you are of dining hall food, blah, 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 that kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah, but then just like a few years ago, you had to pretend you were camping out because your family couldn't afford the light bill that month. Right. It's, it's insane. So like if, if you're listening right now, I think a huge important component of applying to college or accepting college applicants from non-traditional backgrounds is like community is so important because there there's kind of like a a shedding or just a compartmentalizing of culture and identity that comes with trying to go to some of these top schools. Yeah, and on yeah. top of that, I would say it's important to recognize that you will change, right? Yeah. You're 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 gaining access to all kinds of cultures and people from from all over the world and all types of backgrounds and such. But something that I was heartened by was that it is actually like you change and you have new perspectives, but like you don't have to be fundamentally different. You mm-hmm. know, I go back and I see my childhood friends that I grew up with or friends from you know my my close group from high school and it's like we haven't missed a beat you know and people are like oh you haven't changed that much man you know Mm -hmm. you're you're cracking similar jokes and you're able to remember all these memories and all these different things and and that's been really good because you know having to navigate two or however many different worlds it it can feel easy that like you Mm -hmm. might lose you know parts of your identity and such but you can you can't keep it all together and they're all just you know kind of end up being different chapters in the book of life i guess yeah that's the huge fear surrounding quote-unquote selling out or changing or becoming bougie you're so right have you ever been to cc's pizza 
Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, like... Bro, thank you. <laughs> so, oh my gosh. And so, like, I tell my coworkers, right? And I and I work in finance. Mm-hmm. And so I was working at this energy hedge fund, and now I work for uh, the Navy Federal Credit Union, which is like the largest credit union in the world. And uh, and I bring my 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 crew. They're like, "Yo, where do you want to go eat?" And I was like, "Actually, I heard about this." this this pizza place that's like a few miles away and i you know i i've had cc's my entire life and that stuff kept my family alive dude. oh yeah like like five dollar buffet all you can eat for every person the kids it was like even cheaper and all this stuff you would roll through on a sunday after church eat until you're stuffed and you wouldn't have to eat until monday lunch man and mm-hmm. that and and so I bring my now it's six dollars at least in the in the area that I live. Mm-hmm. and uh and I and I bring my coworkers and they're just like Ben this food is trash all this is I was like no you don't understand fight me like yeah <laughs> I will actually fight them and but it yeah like that's a that's like another reminder but like I didn't you know I haven't or thankfully like I haven't lost that part where it was like you know I I love the food that I grew up with and and I haven't lost those tastes. Because like this, it's, it's it's comfort food. That's like a reminder of home and your family. And I think a lot of people have the misunderstanding that growing up broke or poor, low income, whatever you want to call it, it's a sad, bad thing. When like no, just like any other family, any other upbringing, there's joy and ownership of it. That's enough about college. So let's let's talk a little bit more about about you about about Ben. So do you have any? daily weekly or monthly rituals that you feel contribute to your um productivity um yeah i think shoot this is a really great book that we should that that i would encourage everyone to read it's called peak the science of expertise it's by this professor out of florida state his name is anders erickson and he does research into what makes people great at what they do and so, you know, when you see Serena crushing it on the tennis court or any, you know, seeming prodigy, just like lighting it up on the piano keys, it's like, what, what made those people as good as they are? And mm-hmm. I think, especially in American or Western culture, you know, you would be like, oh, they're just talented. They're just brilliant at what they do. It's like some genetic, like innateness thing. But he was able to show that consistently every single one of these things or sorry, of these people that were like they became as good as they were through just quality and consistent practice. Mm-hmm. And I can say that during high school, I was able to see those types of things happen for me that that everything that I want to be good at, everything that I do is through practice. And mm-hmm. the important thing is to like pace yourself and but like to make like small like achievable goals you know because like if your goal is to get a 36 on the act or 2300 or shoot it's not out of 2400 anymore yeah 1500 plus on the sat my my apologies um and uh and those types of things when you have that goal it it becomes you know it it seems like really far away and it's really difficult and you'll be like i could i could never get that or it just seems so daunting that you never get started you know Mm -hmm. But if your first goal is to finish one section of the science within time, 
you know, it's not even take a whole test. It's just do this one section and finish it in time. And it has nothing to do with how well that you do or anything like that. It's just like, you know, j- just get started, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. That that goal is a lot more achievable. The And the next uh, important productivity tip, and I, and I need to, and I'm getting better at building this habit too, but it's at the end of every day, document, it, it doesn't have to be a journal or anything, but like just like recount to yourself everything that you did. Mm-hmm. Um, because when you wake up and and it's you know it can be as small as you know you made your bed or you had oatmeal for breakfast even if you have the same thing for breakfast every day you know but it's like tell yourself what you did so you can concretize the memories mm-hmm. because it's really easy to live life kind of like it all blends together you know and mm-hmm. it'll be like man I can't tell you what I had for breakfast three days ago but when you're able to concretize it in it it, it it really like that second pass through you know you lived it once but to think about it and force yourself to remember everything that happened again really concretizes mm-hmm. things and, and helps with retention um so yeah those are the two biggest things okay so uh what do you do in your in, in your free time oh man in my free time not gonna lie I'm still pretty, I'm still pretty tired from, Mm -hmm. from college and from, uh, and, and from this hedge fund job. I just, I was just posted that I try to rest and exercise. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm, I've been starting up a new, like, I don't know, alumni initiative for Yale. Mm -hmm. Um, it's called first gen Yale and it's just like a community. It's like a alumni group for first generation, low income, uh, alumni who grew up that way, even if they're not like that now because they had to come up and those types of things. But just to mm-hmm. have that community post-graduation, calling friends and family, that's been really big for me recently. It's just good to catch up and, 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 and chat and, and, you know, try to be as present as you can with other people. So speaking of life, is there a quote that you like to live by or that you oh, think of a lot? There's a quote by um, Stephen Jay Gould. Mm-hmm. that says i'm less interested and and this is a paraphrasing because I, I i don't know these things word for word but uh it, i'm less I, I i happen to be less interested in the intricacies and convolutions of einstein's mind but rather that people of equal talent have been born and died working in sweatshops mm-hmm. something along those lines and so that that's something that really speaks to me. And another one is by Michelangelo, which translated from Italian. Um, but it says that if they saw how much work went into it, they would not call it genius. Mm-hmm. And that's something that's always really spoken to me, which was that we have um, we, we really only see the end products yeah. of people's success and very very rarely do we see the grind the mentorship the resources everything that was poured into the making Mm -hmm. of that success and so it's just it's so easy to just you know be like wow that person's brilliant uh we're gonna do the lightning round real quick oh okay Um, what's your favorite song right now oh um plain jane by asap ferg nice 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 choice favorite movie Oh man, I just saw Ready Player One, and that was a great movie. Okay, I I have to check that out. Favorite oh, book? Um, the one that I said earlier, Peak: okay. The Science of Expertise. Uh, do you have a favorite TV show right now? 
Nah, dude, I haven't hit up TV in a while, in a good bit. Oh, but the most recent one, and I really liked it, was Jane the Virgin. Okay. And favorite junk food? Oh, man. Uh, I really like McFlurries. I just had one yesterday. What, what kind? M&M, man. Oh, they, that, that, that is a very good one. I like that one, too. Like, except, like, the M&Ms get, like, frozen. They do. They <laughs> do. But it's part of the experience. Yeah. Man. It's part of the experience. Okay. <laughs> uh, well, Ben, thank you so much for, for joining me on the third episode of the podcast. Uh, no problem. Thank you for having me. Of course. It's, great. Yeah, it's been fantastic. Um, for everyone listening, I'll put the show notes on my blog tinyurl.com slash that Ivy League guy and on my social media sites. Until next time, have a good week and thank you for listening.